When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the new and improved Cup of Cuppy Blue, proudly affiliated with Fans First Sports Network, where you are hopefully subscribed for a ton of great Cubs content. Right as the Cubs decide to cancel Jed Hoyer's third annual fire sale, we'll see if they can keep it up against the Cardinals. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about Seiya Suzuki and Kyle Hendricks being absolutely stone-faced and stoic through game-changing plays and more for Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? You know, I would be doing better than normal, given that we just took two from the South Side suckers. But uh, I woke up, actually went to bed with some pretty disturbing news, in uh, which is that my tie guy, my friend, got jumped at the White Sox game last night in the bathroom, stitches in his face, checked for brain damage at the hospital. And it's just, you know... So right today, I'm feeling a little crazy, to be honest. Like I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little angry, and I want our like- friend, our friend, my tie guy, like the nicest dude at Cubs games, hangs out in left field, gives baseballs to children, brings cookies to the ballpark on the last home game of the season every year, knows every guy and person and worker and everybody at Wrigley Field. The nicest dude, like who hates my tie guy? Well, apparently Sox fans, and it really is they hate themselves because their team stinks, and they were already doing a victory lap about three innings into last night's game where they're making fun of Cubs fans, already talking trash because, I'm sorry, Sox fans, I try with them. I do. I went to a playoff game one time, and I was like, ah, you know, I'll root, root, root for the home team. Impossible to do. They were making fun of Cubs fans in line for the bathroom, being like, saying homophobic things about the trough, if you can imagine what that might be, you know. And then, and they were, and they were losing that game to the Astros, and they somebody started chanting "F the Cubs," and I'm like. You guys are in a playoff game and you can't even handle the fact that a team that's not even playing is uh, in the same city as you right now. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And then, you know, they're just the fights that's got to stop. Somebody's going to die. You know, my tie guy was kicked and like had to play dead for them to stop. And then, of course, they you know ran out of there because I, I talked to him today and it's just, you know, I'm so I'm angry. So normally I'd be I'd be. Um, uh, happy about the, especially yesterday's game coming back from such a deficit, but it's, it was, um, you know, just a sad ending to that uh, moment. And it's sad for our city too. It's like so ridiculous. Come on. What even happened? Like I saw the post on Twitter. I saw that he was in the hospital. Like I, I have not talked to my tithe today. I, I don't even understand 
He's the nicest guy. I don't know how he gets jumped for no well, reason. Well, I mean, there's a couple of things. It says Mai Tai guy on his back. Everybody knows who he is. So a lot of people, they want to make a name for themselves. They're going to sucker punch Mai Tai guy. It's happened before, in fact, in Wrigleyville by Cubs fans. So I'm not saying we're any better. It's just drunk bros that leave the house to fight and uh, are idiots. But the apparently this one was a bunch of guys were roughhousing in line and my tie guy said something about like, Hey, you know, take it to the ladies room or something like that. And then when he, and he's like, and he said, he goes, you know, maybe I shouldn't have said anything at all. It's like, I didn't have to say something. And I'm like, well, yeah, you didn't, but you did, but that does not warrant getting five stitches in your face from, you know, from getting sucker punched by some drunk bro on the south side. Like, it's just out of hand. And um, so that's what happened. It was, you know, escalation and then hospital. <laughs> so. Well, healing wishes to my tie. I hope we will both see him during the Red Series when hopefully the Cubs have added at the trade deadline added to the team that Mai Tai loves and supports every single day. And also like, I totally, I totally agree with you on this fights thing. Like I was looking at some of the stuff on Twitter, some of the stuff um, in the game itself. I'm like, there's fights breaking out in left field. There's fights breaking. There's fights breaking out all over the park. I've gone to one and only one crosstown classic game on the South side. I've gone to a couple at Wrigley. Honestly, I don't understand why people get so riled up at these things, but there is an environment and it is kind of like this. There's this heated energy in the air. Like you do feel like if you say the wrong thing, you could get punched by someone. Well, and the heated energy last night was literally the heat because it was so hot. Like I was going to go down to this game. Uh, CHGO was throwing a little meet meet up, a bunch of people catching the game in the upper deck, having a good time. But and you walked outside. It was like pea soup in the air. And it, I mean, it was like walking through soup. <laughs> and I just like, you know what? This doesn't seem fun to go down to the Cubs game. Could rain, you know, pop up shower or something. So I did not go, but I'm glad I didn't go because you could hear on the broadcast, all the different fights that were popping up. Apparently there was one in the luxury boxes. What did they do? Hit each other with their diamonds? Like what is going on? And those people have air conditioning, y'all. So that they can't blame that on the heat. They're just being assholes. They're just yeah. being assholes. And yes, this is a family show, and it's going to be explicit today. Uh, let's talk about these Crosstown Classic games. Game one, the Cubs were dominant. Kyle Hendricks looks, looked like vintage Kyle Hendricks. He had a perfect game going through the fourth inning. Dansby Swanson hit two home runs. The Cubs ran riot on Yasmani Grandal. And I want to talk about stolen bases and these catchers because I, I don't think the Cubs have run like that since they were running against the Dodgers. But maybe my favorite thing in this game, Seiya Suzuki steals a grand slam when the Cubs are up 7-2, to two, absolutely changes the entire game, and he's stoic about it. And you know Hendo is stoic about it because he's Kyle Hendricks. He doesn't, he doesn't show emotion. So the two of them are just like, yo, one out. Yes. Good catch, bro. And they act like nothing happened. I'm like, that what you stole a grand slam. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing about, you know, when I was talking to Ryan Herrera, uh, who spends some time with the team as uh, one of the, the beat writers. And I asked him, I said, is this a team that gets up and gets down when the things are going bad? Are they in the dumps? 
And when things are flying high, are they just like partying and hitting each other with champagne and having dance parties in the locker room like under uh, Benny's Joe, you know, back in the Joe Madden days? But it's like they're not. They don't get too hyped up either way. They're just going to go out about their business and go home and watch Netflix. So it's like it's just that kind of team. And they seem to have put it together a little bit right now. It's like where they were misfiring on many cylinders earlier in the season because I feel like they didn't really know each other all that well. And it was a brand new situation and the energies that were combining weren't really it was like pistons misfiring uh now feels like the engine got a little bit of a tune-up and i can see a team that's ready to roll now I'll couch the whole thing by saying we we're playing all terrible teams since the all-star break not the red sox but we lost to the red sox so you know now we got a bad team again cardinals they're on their last legs may, might trade their best players right now hopefully t- right now like within the next two hours, Nolan Arenado will be traded. We never have to deal with them again because I think we're done with the Dodgers. Um, so anyway, it's uh, yeah, that first game that uh, say a Suzuki catch. I mean, so exciting. My problem with it, and I hate to say something bad about something good. No, I, I, I hate to. I'm really sorry. But that I don't know that Kyle Hendricks should have been in there anymore. I understand the 86 pitches, but it was the third time through the lineup. Um, That inning was already out of hand. Ross had nobody up. And then he finally had to rush and get somebody up. And when he finally did get somebody in there, it still didn't go well for a moment. And it's just like that inning very quickly got out of hand. And thank God the Cubs were able to score a lot of runs early in this game because the, the White Sox were about to tie it up or go ahead in that inning just like we did the next night so you're not wrong about kyle hendrick's third time through the order and second thing i will say about that so i i uh revitalized a long time bleed cubby blue column that i do now and again it's called sarah's snapshots i basically like break down a play i I screenshot some stuff and like explain to you what i'm seeing in these screenshots from a play and i did that for say as uh grand larceny is what i'm calling it grand slam larceny and the thing that i noticed about that pitch is that that is exactly where Jan Gomes set up. Kyle Hendricks hit his spot. 86 mile per hour sinker in the corner, off the like slightly off the plate in the strike zone. And Yoan Mankata knew that was coming. He knew that was coming. He swung for that pitch and he did not miss it. Like the only thing that saved them was probably the best route that Seiya Suzuki has run in his Cubs career. Yeah, and he made that amazing game-saving catch the other day at Wrigley uh, as well um, uh, at the at the end of the game against the Cardinals when uh, the same game where Morrell let the ball through his legs. Uh, say I made a great catch at the in the ninth inning of that game too with a really good route uh, where he headed back into the corner. This one was the other direction, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean he's learning the all the stadiums in the league right now. And I think he's figuring out he looks a lot better in right field. He's never been bad. Like he never looked like miles master Boney did out there though, when they put him out, but it, it, he looked, it didn't look like Jay. Hey, gold. He wasn't up for a gold glove or anything like that. So, but it looks like he's getting a lot better, a little bit more comfortable out there, but yeah, grand larceny. I love it. Yeah. It was so exciting. What a, what a catch. 
Let's talk about a dude who looked great in both of these games. Uh, closed out the first game, closed out the second game. Edward Alzali is filthy right now. And I would not want to step into the box against that dude in the ninth inning. And he is feeling it. He is energy on the mound. I listened, actually. So I watched the game. I was watching it on Marquee Sports Network. I didn't go to either of these games. Um, and I listened to the Cubs call and whatever. I actually went back and listened to Jason Benetti and Steve Stone call the ninth inning just so I could hear what they had to say about Alzali. Because you know how Steve Stone is, right? Like, Steve Stone loves pitching. He gets pitching. He understands sequencing. He knows when a pitch has filthy movement. And, dude, that dude was impressed with Adbert Alzali. Were you impressed with Adbert Alzali in these two saves across two games and 22 total pitches for two saves against the White Sox? Absolutely. And, like, it's it's the filth to the lefty that I really love because it, it almost, like, seems like the same thing that kind of Mark Leiter Jr. is trying to do in a way where, where it's like that that ball that kind of like dives in and comes back across. And it's just like, you can't hit it because of the movement on it. Um, Cause it looks like it's going one way. It goes the other. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I do think that the Cubs could use a little bit more bullpen help at the back end. I mean, I don't really trust anyone. Like these guys will have their moments, Merriweather, lighter, you know, they've had their moments where they're good. Even Fulmer who got off to a real bad start, but, you know, if you're going to be going for it towards the end of this, this year, you need a little bit more help, but Alzali at the end, like, sure. Is he the closer of the future? Could be. I mean, let's keep letting it play out. It's, you know, I know they haven't named him closer, right? I don't care what they name. He's the closer. Like yeah, Adbert yeah. is the only dude I want closing games for this Cubs team. He looks born for this role. He is probably the dude I most believe in as a Cubs closer since maybe Wade Davis. Like, he just looks confident and good and ready to step in to that role. I mean, Adbert's feeling himself so much right now that after that first game, he gets pitching ninja right? So, like, pitching ninja is showing his stuff, and he's got the thing where he's got the sinker going one way and the slider going the other and how filthy it is off the, like, you, you know, you look and, like, the pitches go the same way and then they don't. And Adbert's like retweeting that. He's like retweeting that like, yay! And I'm yeah. like, okay, Adbert's retweeting his own highlights. Like we're in good shape right now. Let's talk about game two because game two was not game one. Game one was the Cubs jump out to a lead and the Cubs are always going to lead and then Saya saves the thing and like everything seems good. Game two, Marcus Stroman, who has struggled in, basically since coming back from London, since that blister issue, I, I think I saw that he has an ERA of eight since that game, which is yikes. Let's get that under control. Uh, he looked not good. And the Cubs were down 7-2 in this game. And under normal circumstances, you're down 7-2. You just live to fight another day. But this Cubs team was like, nah, we have to win out to cancel Jed Hoyer's fire sale. And so they did. Cody Bellinger hit a bomb. The Cubs came back. Baseball, it rules. And Adbert closes it out again. What did you see in game two, Danny? Yeah, they sent 12 men to the plate in that uh, fifth inning. I, I saw the Cubs taking advantage of an incredibly bad White Sox team who's having a terrible year. That's what so you got to do to win. That's what you got to do to win. Exactly. And so that's and so talk about canceling Jed's fire sale. This is how you do it. This is, I mean, you 
it starts out with a Talkman single. I mean, they had the lead off of the order. So, so, but they got a lot of hit by pitches and walks and there was a wild pitch and the guy reached on a called master Boney reached on a called third or, or a uh, drop third strike, uh, all sorts of garbage. So not only were the Cubs hitting, but the white Sox were self-destructing at the exact same time. So, um, nice, nice, uh, competitive window there, Sox. <laughs> way to go. And then they sold off Giolito and who, um, Ronaldo Lopez. Yeah. So they're getting, the number three and number eight, uh, prospects per fan graphs. If I recall correctly in the, in the majors or on their team and their minor league prospects, the, the angels, minor league prospects rankings, okay. number three and number eight, according to fan graphs. I, these are different rankings according to other places. I saw other people name it as the three and four. I saw other people name it as the two and three. Like at the difference with prospect rankings, just for people who are wondering, Fangrass ranks raw talent. So they're always looking at like who's the best guy in your system, not who's the closest guy to the majors. Baseball America ranks closest to the majors plus raw talent. Those are two different measurements. And so you'll get different results there. And it's just a matter of which system you're using. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, so I just saw a White Sox team that's self-destructing, and their fans are apparently self-destructing too, attacking defenseless Cub fans in the bathroom. Um, defenseless Mai Tai guys. Don't, yeah. Don't attack Mai Tai. I don't know. He might have had a knife. We don't know. But uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. They, they search you pretty Jesus good going Christ. in there. <laughs> but, no, it's, um, you know, they're terrible. The White Sox are terrible. and uh, But regardless – Marcus Stroman, they were ready for him and they put up a fair amount of offense against him. Seven runs to be specific. And you talk about the trade deadline. I mean, Marcus Stroman is one of those guys that's not tied to a compensation pick. So if you keep him and he just walks at the end of the year, you get nothing. But at this point, I mean, I don't know if you're trying to trade Marcus Stroman, uh, how much are teams really looking at just you know since the last month for example well, you guys have a bad month like you're gonna look at his Cy Young numbers from the months before that or are you just gonna take the last month well you don't get nothing you get him on your team while you're trying to compete and like here is the thing that I think is going on with Marcus Stroman and I could be wrong it could be like an injury thing it could be something else I have no idea like I have no inside information here this is just Sarah Sanchez riffing on cup of cubby blue but i remember last year the three four week run up to the trade deadline wilson Contreras was terrible ian Happ was terrible it was like they had other other things going on in their brain and they just couldn't focus on the thing and as soon as that was over they came back and they were like they're all-star selves right and i wonder how much of that like stroman would never say this and he hasn't said this he said this in no interviews it's not like a thing that's out there it's not a narrative somewhere but i wonder it must be weird to be a person trying to go out and perform at the highest level possible knowing that you are one of the people who could be in a different city tomorrow that you mess this game up and the the place you live the roots you have the things you've done could all shift and you don't know where that place is going to be. Is yeah. it Baltimore? Is it Houston? Is it LA? Who knows? Is it a better defense? Is it a good defense? Do you like those guys? You don't know. And I think that is hard. I think that is really hard. I think for human beings 
who exist in baseball, that must be the hardest thing to deal with this like uncertainty of where will I be tomorrow that comes up at this time of year. And I would not be stunned if the Cubs sit pat, which we're going to talk in the second half of the show about whether or not they can do that. Uh, they can hold this like momentum that they built up against a terrible Cardinals team and make a run in the second half. If they can do that, I would not be stunned if Marcus Stroman comes back and is just nails for that run. Yeah. And we need him because his next time he's going to pitch is on Monday, the day before the trade deadline. So against two, the Reds, the Cincinnati Reds, who, by the way, need starting pitching. So, and <laughs> so who knows? Maybe you just walk across the dugout in India. We'll go out. No, third base. <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, Okay, you are you are skipping ahead, my friend. You're skipping okay. ahead on the rundown. So we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. But on the flip side, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the NL Central, what's going on with the deadline. We're also going to preview four games against the St. Louis Cardinals, who look, y'all, they are terrible this year. They are definitely selling, and they would love nothing more than to kill the Cubs' postseason hopes and dreams right now before the trade deadline. But first, a quick break. Danny, it does not get any crazier than this. Uh, Jed Hoyer built a team to sell. Let's be honest. Like he has Cody Bellinger just sitting there. He's like the best hitter in baseball, not named Shohei Otani. And, and Jed Hoyer could trade Cody Bellinger for a handful of teenagers. And we know how much he's itching to do that right now. Marcus Stroman has all these weird opt-outs in his deal. It's like a three-year deal rather than a five-year deal with a little bit more AAB and all this stuff. Designed. For this moment, when Jed Hoyer could theoretically trade him for a handful of magic beans. And yet, this Cubs team is kind of like, no, we're not sure about that. Like, we'd like to win out. We would like to win some baseball games and force you to hold all the guys and make you see what we can do. Add some lefties to the bullpen. Maybe add a third baseman who's a real third baseman and see what happens. And let us try to play out the thread. I am frankly here for it because I, I, I've i written this. I've written the case for the Cubs to be buyers, the case for the Cubs to be sellers. I've done a couple of different playoff looks here and there. The bottom line is this. The Chicago Cubs are in third place in the NL Central. They are the only team in the NL Central with a positive run differential. That run differential is fourth in the National League. And run differential is like how many runs you score versus how many runs you give up. By my estimate, the reason the Cubs are playing behind their Pythag, which we talk about here all the time, is because they had a terrible bullpen situation early. And so they gave up a, a bunch of games they should have won while they were trying to close with Fulmer and Boxberger instead of Alzali and Leiter. And like now they have fixed that. And I think this team can go on a run. I want the Cubs to make Jed Hoyer's job as hard as possible heading in to the trade deadline on Tuesday I am here for them absolutely making that man have, like, I hope he has to eat all of the antacid Tums. Like, I hope he's got, like, a thing of Tums and he's just, like, cranking them. Like, oh, do I trade Tony Bellinger? I don't know. Make Jed Hoyer's life miserable, Cubs. What do you think, Danny? Yeah, well, I think a lot of that problem that we had earlier in the year and still to, I think, still think it's a problem, the bullpen management. I don't think David Ross is a good manager. I just don't. And, like, for example, Albert Alzali, even though he's nasty and pitched great, Shouldn't have even pitched in that first game against the White Sox. Cubs were up really big, but 
he screwed around and like just played everybody out of order and, and tried to send Fulmer out after he had to get an out in the inning before. And like, so I don't really have any confidence that even if you were to add this lefty to the pen, that he'll even be used right. Two lefties, two lefties of the pen. I don't even know if he'll even be used properly because Ross GPT uh, is a beat behind. Okay. And so that's, that's my first, uh, thought on it and um, I don't know what else were we talking about no just <laughs> like the can they do this at all I mean I'll say about Ross GPT and the lefties right now the only lefty in the Cubs bullpen is Anthony K which is bananas people like, I mean the car- like it's bananas like you should not be rolling with a bullpen that has Anthony K as your only left-handed option get get real perhaps we could interest the White Sox in Miles Mastroboni or Nick Madrigal for Joe Kelly and Aaron Bummer. Yeah, right. It, first of all, never trade with the White Sox. It is just bad luck. Every single time we get screwed and it never, never a doubt in my mind. It's just the worst trade of all time. The no Sosa deal worked. Do. Yeah, one time. That's the only thing the Cub fans ever say, but everything else has been bad. And um, and we just <laughs> we just shouldn't do it. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the decision to sell now, the the thing that bothers me is that it seems like it's that Jed doesn't know his decision. Like, should he always entertain every single trade option at all times for everybody on the team? If somebody's willing to offer you an absolute haul for anybody on your team, you should at least pick up the phone and listen. Wesneski for Efros. That is an example of like Efros, I considered untouchable last year at this point in time. And then the first deal that comes across the, the deadline, Efros for Wesneski. And I actually almost had a heart attack until I realized the Cubs traded five years of a controllable closer for seven years of a controllable starter. And that's just like, Avi, you do that deal 10 10 every time. I don't know how much we're really going to get for rentals because it seems like that idea has gone out the window, especially because if you've already had a good season up till now, there's a lot of ways to get into the playoffs, you know, a, a lot more than there used to be with the extra wild card teams. And it's not a one and done anymore. You actually have a chance to win this thing. So there'll be 500 teams in this thing that might go on to the World Series because they're hot at the right time. So the, look at the Phillies. You know, everybody will always point to that. Wild card teams go to the World Series all the time. So, um, you know, and the and everybody knows that. So do you have it? Are you built for the tournament? As Michael Cotton says, are you a team that like the Phillies were built for the tournament? You know, are where you got two strong pitchers, one, two, we're going to throw everybody's arm off. You know, we're going to go in there with, you know, held together with, you know, bubble gum and nails and we're going to get it done. And you have three weeks, four weeks to get it done at the end of the season. If you're hot at the right time. So I don't know. I could see a lot of teams standing pat just as it is, because why would you give up your future for, for a possibility that you'll get three games against a 500 team in the, in the end of season tournament. I am going to throw a different, I I love the Phillies analogy. Like the Phillies last year were really good. They were struggling around this time period, whatever the analogy that's actually better. Sahadev Sharma wrote about it today. I actually saw it in the comment section of BCB before Sahadev wrote about it though. Like I saw people making this comparison about a week ago and I thought about it and I was like, God, you're not wrong. Cause I had the fortune of writing about all of these trades for fan graphs at the time. 
the 2021 Atlanta Braves. They lose Ronald Acuna Jr. They're under 500. Their outfield is terrible. Every outfielder that is playing for the 2021 Atlanta Braves, not named Ronald Acuna Jr. before he hurts his ACL, is underwater. Got like a bunch of dudes who are out there, negative war dudes. And the deals that the Braves make at the deadline are, they bring in Jorge Soler, they bring in Eddie Rosario, and they bring in Adam Duvall and Jock Peterson. Jock, yeah, I was going to say Jack went. A bunch of like mix and match platoon guys, like the Cubs give them Jack Peterson for Bryce Ball. Like, I don't even remember who they got for Eddie Rosario or for Jorge Soler. These were little tiny trades, right? Like, I was writing these up for Fangraphs because I was like the newest person at Fangraphs. And so I was like, yeah, I'll write up the, I'll write up the Eddie Rosario trade. Let's go. Um, it worked, Danny. It worked. All they did was tweak at the margins and turn a below replacement level outfield into a above replacement level outfield. They added like a bullpen arm or two and they kept pushing. They were two games under 500 at this point in the season. The Cubs are one game under 500 right now. And the thing that stood out about that Atlanta Braves team against all of the other teams in the NL East at that time, they had a positive run differential. They were winning the, like, we score more runs than our opponents, and some of this is bad luck, and we should just go. And I keep looking at this Braves comparison, and I'm like, I want to find problems with it. I want to be like, no, that won't work because this, this won't work because. And I can't because the one thing – the one part of that comparison that people keep throwing in my face, they're like, well, that team had played together and they had won before and they had been in the postseason the last three seasons and da-da-da-da-da. The Cubs have a bunch of dudes who have won before. Jan Gomes was part of the 2016 Cleveland Indians team and he was also part of the 2019 Washington National teams. That dude knows how to win in the postseason. Cody Bellinger is a Dodger. He knows how to win. In the postseason, Dansby Swanson was literally on the 2021 Braves. And I'm just like, this, I, I think this team might know how to win. Yeah. And they seem to be putting it together, but couch your enthusiasm because it is the last place teams that we're beating now. And Cup fans are so knee jerk. I mean, me especially <laughs> is, is that, you know, it feels really good to be winning and rolling. And, and the real test is going to start on Monday against the Reds of all teams, but then it's the Braves. And so the, no matter what you do, let's say the team stands pat and they're like, actually, we believe in ourselves. We're not trading Stroman every and we're not trading belly. Every season is sacred. In fact, we added a lefty and traded, you know, somebody out of our minor leagues to, you know, because yeah, just trade Nick Madrigal or Miles Masterbody. You don't need to, you uh, don't yeah, need right. to touch the prospects. Just like give somebody Miles Masterbody. Well, the problem is Trey Mancini. Would you, can we interest you in a yeah, Trey right. Mancini? Can we, you want our broken, terrible players? <laughs> yeah. Have fun. <laughs> um, but uh, no, nobody wants those guys, including Cub fans, but no, the point is, is that even you have to, you're going to lose some of these prospects anyway, in like rule five drafts and stuff, you know, like you can't protect everybody that you want to. And the Cubs have some decisions to make soon enough. And it's hard to project right now because there's been some disappointments and setbacks, but like you look at a situation like Hayden Wisniewski, he is pitching great in the minor leagues right now. So let's say, you know, he comes up and starts to help the team and, and you move smiley out of the rotation who has been doing terribly lately. Um, 
you had an opener for him last time, you know, or you, you, you figure out the back end of that rotation in that way. You use dudes out of the pen, you start figuring out those things. So I can, the Cubs win. They proved that they can, they were really good before they were really good before they went to London too. If you remember for that, those 10 day, that 10, 12 day period. And they were beating good teams in April. They were beating uh, teams that we didn't think they were built to beat. And so I th- I've always thought they had it in them. But the problem is I also thought they didn't have it in them. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. b- because they're boring. I think Jed thinks the same thing. I really think that they're sitting there right now at the triangle building and they're just like, do we, don't we, right? Like, are we going to be the dudes who didn't trade Marcus Stroman and he walks and we get nothing? when the team fizzles out in September. But before you get to the Braves, before you get to the Reds, before you get to any of those teams, and and I will say, I want to say one last thing before we talk about the upcoming series against the Cardinals, because I do think that this Cardinals series is like a big barrier, and it's a bigger barrier than most people think it is. Um, There's one other variable here that is different from 2021 and different from 2019. There is no waiver deadline, right? Like there used to be two deadlines. You had... The trade deadline that happened uh, in July, and then you had the waiver deadline that would happen later in the season. And now there is one. You cannot add dudes to your team later if they just clear waivers and you hope. Like, this is it. You get one shot. One opportunity, one shot. That's it. You either make your moves now or you don't. And so the Cubs are going to find out if they add now and try to build around this belly Stroman Dansby Swanson, whatever thing is going on here. They're either going to add around that and run with it, or they're not. And they have no second chance. There's no, I kind of thought about it later type of thing. If you, if you think about some of the moves the Cubs made those 2019 ish teams, like Nick Cassianos was a waiver deadline addition. Like, or no, he wasn't. He was a trade deadline acquisition. Daniel Murphy was a waiver deadline acquisition. But like there are guys who came over who had to clear waivers to like get to the Cubs who made an impact on this team. And I, I think that's important. Like, I think that that's a difference now that we don't real you get one time, one chance. Yeah. Well, and the Brewers are adding. So they just added Carlos Santana. They've got a they rely so much on their pitching. They don't have a lot of offense. So they got Santana, who's not the biggest bat in the world. Any of these frankly he's getting older he's 37 years old but he's a switch hitter and he can add a little bit of thump maybe where you need it uh especially at first base where if you remember when the cubs in some of those crazy games that we played against them first base was a problem for them defensively if you remember um there was one play that was totally screwed up i forget who was over there but it was the game i went to with crawley with that famous picture now of him shirtless in, in the down the first baseline sheriff sarah's, sarah's uh, shaking her head for the, the one picture of crawley acting crazy at a cubs game i am shocked <laughs> so uh so they're adding does it bother you at all i mean we don't know if jed has made up his mind to sell or not he might have made it up two weeks ago and he's like yes i'm absolutely selling these guys off are you kidding me this is not the plan is to sell it's always gonna be no sell we're selling now does it bother you would it bother you if he would change his mind you know what the thing is about jed i think that jed sets himself up to have as many options as possible 
on any season. He did that in 2021. He did that in this season. He did that last season. It's the reason he likes one-year deals. It's the reason he likes bullpen arms. It's the reason he likes pillow contracts for a guy like Cody Bellinger. Those set you up with options because if that guy hits, then you can trade them even if everybody else doesn't. And if that guy hits and everybody else does, you can contend. And if that guy doesn't hit, then you can trade them for less and like do your, you know what I mean? Like you're not committed long-term like Jed likes options. Yeah. And I understand, I understand the strategy of that. And what I love about what the Cubs are doing right now is that they are forcing Jed into a situation where he has no option other than to buy. And in order to continue that course of events, the Cubs need to win three or four against the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals are actually doing pretty well at the moment. They're kind of showing signs of life. Life. Wilson Contreras looks pretty good. Nolan Arenado looks pretty good. Paul Goldschmidt looks pretty good. Lars Newbar looks pretty good. Tyler O'Neill looks pretty good. We're going to get into this when we talk about hot hitters later. But this is about to be, in my opinion, the most drama that you can find in a regular baseball season. Because what you have is a last place definitely going to sell St. Louis Cardinals team. And they're not going to sell any of those dudes for the next four days because they need all of those dudes to push the Cubs to the absolute limit before the end of this series because the Cardinals are that guy. The Cardinals aren't selling Jordan Montgomery before he starts against the Cubs and they're not selling Nolan Arenado or Paul Goldschmidt or Wilson Contreras or anybody else before they play against the Cubs. They want to do maximum damage against the Chicago Cubs in their house and try to make the Cubs sellers too before the trade deadline. And this is their one shot to do that. It's the most relevant. The Cardinals are going to be all season long. Those dudes, Wilson might be, because I don't know how many people want that contract unless somebody wanted to pay like $30 million to somebody else for them to take on Wilson Contreras, which they may, unless the Cardinals choose to do that. None of those dudes are going to be Cardinals at the end of this week but they will be Cardinals for this week just so they can keep the Cubs from contending possibly. Yeah. I mean, it does seem like they, everybody waits until the last possible minute. I mean, which kind of is frustrating too. I mean, maybe the prices are higher, but you saw uh, the Rangers jump the market a little bit with the roll list. And that was the best lefty arm out there. there it just I was, I mean, well, you can, uh, I mean, if somebody wanted to add, um, you got to wonder about a team like the Padres right now. Um, you know, it's oh, the Padres aren't selling. Well, I, AJ well, they, Preller is pot committed. AJ Preller is the dude at the World Series of Poker who's like, I, I've just got to go. Well, I mean, but it, they should sell. I mean, they will. They, they should maybe hater. They might trade hater. Yeah, they should kind of rejigger the whole thing right now. And like, so I'm wondering is like. You've got all these dudes who are going to make $35 million like in for the next 10 years. And they are all locked up forever. They can run that team out there till these dudes are darn near collecting a pension. And uh, so they've, they just have so much money on the books in the future. That will be dead money. If you're not going to compete this year, I mean, that, that's a team that's built for the tournament. Wouldn't you say like they're oh, like yeah. the Phillies, they got the bashers, they got two top end guys like they're built for that. But it, you got to make it there. And that's the tortoise and hare of all this. And it seems like they are disappointing. 
they're worse than the Cubs right now. But they also have a positive run differential. I mean, the Padres are a really interesting team. They have good pitching. They have good players and a positive run differential. That's exactly what the Cubs are taking in to this series in St. Louis. So let's just talk about the St. Louis series for a second because that's what we're here for. Four games against the Cardinals in St. Louis, standing between the Cubs and the third annual Jed Hoyer fire sale. The matchups will be Justin Steele against Miles Michaelis, uh, TBD, which is probably an opener for Drew Smiley because the Cubs think that will fix Drew Smiley, and I just think Drew Smiley's done this season, against Jordan Montgomery, who I guarantee you will still be a Cardinal to make that start because the Cardinals would like to make the Cubs' life miserable. Jamison Tyon against Adam Wainwright and Kyle Hendricks against Steven Matz. I am not going to lie. And Kyle Hendricks might just do the thing in that game. If if it's like the Cubs need a win and this is the thing that stands between the Cubs and the postseason, Kyle Hendricks might just throw a no-hitter in St. Louis against <laughs> Steven Matz because he's, he's flirted with it so many times, including in St. Louis. And I feel like Hendo might just do the thing. Yeah, I, God, that'd be awesome, especially in St. Louis. It's going to be really hot there, so any pitcher that's out there is just going to have a tough time with it. Um, it's, I mean, it's it's going to be a hundred. I think it's a hundred degrees there today. Um, it's a hundred degrees here today, Danny. I know. Well, it, it well, it feels like because the humidity, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's probably like ninety here today, but it's it's really hot in Chicago right now. Yeah, no, it's it's brutal. Um, it is real feel 103 and 87 as I as I say these words. Yeah, I mean, the only pitcher that did well against the Cubs um, when we played them at Wrigley was Steven Matz of all of those guys. So uh, Jordan Montgomery, we actually he was great last year, but, uh, you know, we were able to get to him. Um, we got seven runs off of him, although five were earned. Um so, I, I mean, I, I'm not scared of any of these guys. I, I, you know, once again, we, I, I don't know if the Cardinals will sell some of these guys before. I think as soon as the call comes through and the deal's in place, it's frustrating to me. Like I was just saying, like the Rangers jumped the market, got themselves Chapman to solidify their bullpen so they could win now. Like, don't you want, these dudes on your team as soon as possible. Why are you waiting like five, six more days? These are every single game for a team in the hunt is crucial. So, I mean, if the Cubs want a lefty arm, go get it today. Don't mess around and wait, you know, like what's the point? Or if you're going to sell, start taking phone calls, like get the deal done because look what happened last year. They had that uh, deal in place for Wilson. It got nixed at the last minute. There was no deal. There's no way to get a different deal done because they waited and waited and waited. And I think that is, you know, what you said. Jed likes as many options. And sometimes he waits so long because he doesn't know what to do that he ends up doing nothing. So hopefully, you know, not, you know so I. Hoyering, Danny. It's called hoyering. Yeah, it's a, he's hoyering and voyering at the same time because he's just <laughs> looking at it and not doing crap. So do something. You know, it's like put that meme with the poking with the stick, you know, do something. So it'll be interesting. I mean, will the Cardinals sell off one of these huge pieces? I, I see the rumor Arnado to the Dodgers. Be nice not to have to face him, huh? Only if they pay the Dodgers $50 million to take Nolan Arenado. <laughs> yeah. I'm so salty about this. Like the idea that the Rockies 
paid the Cardinals $50 million to take Nolan Arenado off their hands is, is the most, it is the most disgusting thing that has ever happened in a baseball trade to my knowledge. And I can't believe the commissioner's office didn't nix that deal. Like, how do you, how do you let that go through? That would not pass in a fantasy league. Like fantasy league people would be like, absolutely not. No way. You do not get to make that deal. Go back. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Like we're doing this again. And yet the Cardinals are like, I would like $50 million and Nolan Arenado and the Rockies are like, okay, I (laughs) am still angry about it. Uh, Let's talk about some hot and cold bats, including Nolan Arenado. We'll do the Cardinals first. Um, Interestingly, I want to say this about the Cardinals hot bats before we talk about the Cubs. A lot of these dudes are kind of platooning at the moment. So like Wilson Contreras only has 30 plate appearances in the last two weeks. Uh, Brandon Donovan is not playing full time. Alec Burleson is not playing full-time. Tyler O'Neill is not playing full-time. They're doing a lot of mixing and matching to get these numbers, and that is a big difference from what we're going to see with the Chicago Cubs. But the following guys all have a WRC Plus over 110 in the last two weeks with at least 20 plate appearances. Nolan Gorman has a WRC Plus of 227. Lars Newt uh, two O's, 2A's, has a WRC Plus of 177. Wilson Contreras has a WRC Plus of 167. Brendan Donovan is at 162. Paul Goldschmidt, who is rumored to be in trade deals, um, he has one more year on his contract after this, and he's kind of getting older, so you could totally see him go into like an Orioles or something like that. WRC Plus of 144. Nolan Arenado, he of the rumored Dodgers deals, has a WRC Plus of 139. I don't really think Goldie or Arenado is going to move, but I do think Alec Burleson or Tyler O'Neill might, and they have WRC Pluses of 128 and 117, respectively. What do you see in these hot bats, Danny? Yeah, they've been hitting. I mean, they just uh, were in Arizona and they put up 10 runs and 11 runs. And then in the other game, they put up one run. But they, but even against the Cubs, they scored seven runs and six runs um, in two of the games, uh, one of which only one of which they won. And that was that Matt's Stroman game. The good news is for the Cubs, though, it's Stroman's not going to face them. So and Stroman's bad against the Cardinals, so they won't be able to light him up. But yeah, the Cardinals probably have the best offense in our division. If not one of the best, it just hasn't been clicking this year. I don't know what happened with the Cardinals this year. The pitching has been bad, I guess, but they have a pretty good team. Everybody picked them to be right there and they were just, they just floundered. And it was all Wilson Contreras' fault, obviously. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently having Wilson Contreras in your clubhouse means you can only win a World Series in 2016 and go to the NLCS in 2017. That's that's how that works. Um, let's talk about the Cubs hot bat for a second. Uh, Patrick Wisdom leads the way, which you may not have thought, but he has three home runs in the last two weeks, and he's got a WRC Plus of 210 over that time period. Wisdom is hot. Cody Bellinger is coming up next at 205, and you knew Belly was going to be on this list. I honestly think he should be the July player of the month. He's been incredible. I think he's hit like 452 or something stupid in July. Uh, Nico Horner heating up at 167 and stealing bags all over the White Sox. Would love to see him do that against the Cardinals. Mike Tockman heating up again at 136. Christopher Morrell at 121. Jan Gomes at 120. And Miles Master Boney joins the list at 120. Shout out to Master Boney, just in time to be interesting to some team to trade him to. And Ian Happ rounds out our hot hitters at 115. Nice to see Ian back on the hot hitters list. Yeah, well, the Cubs are scoring runs, too, against, uh, well, bad teams. (laughs) Dude, but this is the thing. 
their schedule is soft in the second half. So, like, kind of, yes, score runs against bad teams all the way to the playoffs. Like, I look at this Cubs team and I'm like, well, you're 50 and 51 right now. You've played all of the tough competition. I don't know. It kind of looks like a team that's going to be plus eight over the second half. And that sounds like a playoff team to me. Could be. And um, in, in a weak division, absolutely. And remember, they did put up 17 runs in that one game against the Nationals. <laughs> kind of skews things a little bit. But, you know, that's the we're, we're playing the have nots right now, especially as far as bullpens go. So, yeah, Cubs have been feasting on that with their professional hitters. And shout out to Miles Mastroboni. Absolutely. Um, I got to see his first career home run in front of my own eyes against the Cardinals last Friday. And he hits the ball hard. Um, he just he's a lefty. I think if used properly, he could be a pretty decent weapon as a role player on a team, a starter. I don't know about that, but even defensively, he's looked somewhat decent, better than wisdom. In fact, at third base. Um, so, and wisdom has uh, not looked good at third base. Uh, so I'm glad as bad as working. So it's like, you know, they're, they're firing on many a cylinder right now. And let's just hope it continues. Like they, I just never want to lose again. Like, that's where I'm at. Like, just make the decision <laughs> okay, impossible. Daddy. I mean, no, just not just three or four. Like, I'm almost unsatisfied with that. Like, sweep the Cardinals, go into the ser- series with the Reds, like, ready to knock them out of it. I will say, I wish these series were reversed. I wish the Cubs were playing the Reds for four games before they played the Cardinals for four games. And I wish that the Reds games were before the trade deadline, because if the Reds games were before the trade deadline, you would have a a serious chance to like make up some division ground to demonstrate that you can play against the best teams in your division and to like show your work in a way that you cannot show against the St. Louis Cardinals. Like the Cardinals, it's a trap series, right? Like the, we talk about trap series on this all the time, but like Cubs Cardinals is a rivalry the last place team can best the first place team. Weird stuff will happen. Ryan Sandberg hits home runs in the bottom half of the inning and just keeps extending the game. Random things occur. Yachty Molina hits a Craig Kimbrell 98 mile per hour fastball to tie the game and the and destroys your season. Like if you were playing the Reds, it would at least be a demonstration of like head to head. This is the team you have to chase down. Can you chase them down? And that is not what the Cubs have to do. Like, that's not the opportunity they have. The clock is going to run out on them at game one of that Red Series. And so they have to do all of this against the Cardinals and get people to believe they can do it against the Reds. Yeah, I mean, they just got to go out there and win as many baseball games as they can. Um, They have a a chance to pick up half a game tonight over the Reds because they aren't playing. And I'm looking at it right now. They got the Dodgers all weekend who are also fighting to stay in first place in a pretty tough division. And um, so, yeah, I mean, you just got to just take care of your own business. At this point, you have dug yourself such a hole uh, if, as the Chicago Cubs that you can't even be worried about what the other teams are doing right now. You just got to focus on your own deal and um, and and win. Try to win every day. 
game as much as you can. Like, no more eating meatloaf, no more Ross GPT dumb moves. Otherwise, we're sunk. Um, and and well, add to and add to this. Like, every season is sacred, and they should freaking add to this group in a way that maybe even improves the future. Like, get somebody that's not just a one-year rental or something like that. Make a real trade, you know? Like, trade from some depth that you have. You got a million starting pitchers, and you can't use them all anyway. Um, that young guys, you know? You got your Ben Browns of the world that we haven't even seen here. And I know every prospect pervert in the world is going to freak out if we trade one of these dudes that you haven't seen yet. But guess what? They might not be good. <laughs> You know, they might not be, we don't know. Like, you know, there's some promise there, but some of them are wild, you know, some of them are far away and lottery tickets. Like let's do one of those dudes and maybe get somebody that's a little bit more controllable, not just some rental, make a bigger trade from uh, somewhere of depth. You've got a lot of uh, even professional hitters that are starting to come up, you know, maybe someone else will take Brendan Davis off our hands or something like that. Try I mean, to rehab I was him. Say, I'm old enough to remember when the Cubs traded, uh, J. Mark Candelario and Isak Paredes for Alex Avila and Ugh. Justin Wilson. Was it Justin Wilson? Yeah. I think that was the deal. Uh, both of those dudes are raking, by the way, and the Cubs might actually wind up trading for Candelario before it is all said and done. So, you know, these, these things all come full circle. But, Danny, I think you're right. Like, I think that there is a – there are moves for the Cubs to make here, and I don't think they have to be that big. Like, I don't think you need to give up a Ben Brown. I think that you can get some deals done – for a couple of lefty relievers and a guy who can play third base that will not sink your farm system, even the tiniest bit at all. And let's just see what this team can do with some reinforcements, a little bit of belief, some hope, and whatever is in Cody Bellinger's Wheaties this week. Because, <laughs> like, Jesus, that dude is on fire. Uh, while we are watching the Cardinals take, hopefully, three of four, or, no, the sorry. Cubs. The Cubs. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to fix that. Wow, we are watching the Cubs take, hopefully, three of four against the St. Louis Cardinals this week. Danny, where can people find you and your work? Uh, well, uh, at Sunranto on Twitter. And uh, I'm also, I'm on uh, TikTok as well, but it's Danny Rocket with two Ts. And um, you can see all my weather reports. But I'm, get, I'm planning on doing more stuff like music and, and things over there. So follow me on TikTok. Dude, I can't get into TikTok. I keep trying and I feel like I'm just too old for it. But who knows? I am at BCB underscore Sarah on TikTok. Uh, I've never done anything on TikTok as well as all the other places. Twitter, threads, Insta. They wouldn't let me have BCB underscore Sarah at Blue Sky because they don't do underscores there, which is kind of a bummer. So you just have to find BCB, BCB Sarah there. But um, anyway, that's where you can find all my takes about this Cubs Cardinal series. Go Cubs. Make Jed Hoyer's life hard. Cancel his third annual fire sale. If they do that, we'll be back talking about it next time.